subject matter this morning is chosen vessels, and we're in a series for 2022 of peacemakers, and we're going to be looking at chosen vessels this morning. Specifically, we're talking about reaching those that don't know Christ or evangelizing the lost. John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 15 through 17 No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another." There's three aspects to this portion of scripture that I want to bring out before we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The first is it was God's prerogative. It wasn't anything that began with us or originated with us. He was the one that chose us. He picked us. He selected us. And he didn't do that randomly. He does it individually. He calls us all by name and draws us unto himself. So this appointment that God has for your life is personal because he knows your name. It's his prerogative. But it's still, still, we have to give him permission. We have to permit. We have to make room for the Lord. We have to allow him to have access into our life because God will not override our will. And so we have to will to do his will. And the only way that we come to that place or that point in our life is because we realize we need him. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal unto every individual our need for Christ. And he does it in a beautiful way, doesn't he? He convinces us of God's goodness. It leads us to repentance. Repentance leads us to reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with God leads us to understanding the insignificance of the redemptive work of Jesus. So it was his prerogative. Secondly, it was his appointment. He didn't, you know, we didn't place ourselves. He had placed us. And, and so it was his appointment, but it's, once again, based on our cooperation. I mean, we can fight and fuss with the Lord. It, it's not very wise. Uh, I think that it's a, it's, a, it's a futile battle, but we know that uh, throughout Scripture, those there's accounts of people that have, you know, fought God and uh, they have wrestled with God. And the and scripture even tells us the uh, that Saul of Tarsus was kicking against God and was not really wanting to cooperate with God. And till God gets us in a position, a vulnerable position where all we can say is uncle. And I, I, I've been there a few times. I'm the youngest in my family, and, and I was the third wheel in most of uh, the get-togethers with my brother and his friends. So at any given time, I could be pounced upon. And, and when I was pounced upon, it was for the purpose of getting me to submit to their strength and their power. And, uh, and even though I, I many times did it reluctantly, you know, because when you get ganged up on and they're saying, say, uncle, say, uncle, your first response is what? There's no way I'm going to say, uncle. There's no way you're going to win. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to prove that I am. You're not my uncle. You're not my uncle. You're my brother and you're a bad brother right now. And I'm not going to submit to you. And but 
over a period of a few minutes of uh, them gaining dominance over me and putting me in precarious positions, then pretty soon the word uncle came out and then I was released and, uh, and set free. But it's, it's a little different scenario with the Lord is that he continually, you know, works with us. And if we resist him and we don't cooperate, pretty soon he puts us in a position where we become more dependent on him. And then if we still really aren't submissive to him, then he puts us in another position where we're more dependent on him. And then pretty soon we're like, you win. And the moment that we surrender, or we cooperate and we say, you know, Lord, you win. He says, no, you've just won. You, you don't even understand what is about to happen because those that lose their life for his sake find it. They find it. And then the third point I want to bring out in this opening passage is that it was his power or his authority that he has given unto us. But it's our obedience that allows us to bear fruit. So Second Corinthians chapter 4, if you would. When we talk about reaching or ministering to the lost, uh, we're not talking about uh, being critical towards those that don't know Christ. We're not talking about having a condemning message. And we're not talking about finding fault or blaming them in any way. What we are is, is we want to represent Jesus in the best light possible so they can understand God's love for them. And God's goodness towards them. Because we all have wandered like sheep. We've all been lost. And yet Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. And sometimes in, in our politically correct world, when we hear words like lost, sometimes uh, because of how we've been conditioned, we think that that person is less than. Like they're inadequate. Yeah. We would almost say if you're lost, you're a loser. But that's not how scripture describes God's heart towards the lost, that he loves us in our lost condition. And scripture even says people that are lost do desperate and sometimes very dumb things that causes them to continually be more and more in a position of wandering and wondering and in in a state of confusion. And God doesn't want anyone to perish. So another synonym for the word lost in scripture is darkness. And you know, there's degrees of darkness. We've talked about this throughout the years, just like there's degrees of light. And uh, there's, there's the beginning of darkness in our life. And then if we don't turn away from darkness, it can get darker and darker and darker. And the same is true with the light. The light comes and then it shines more brilliant brilliantly and more brighter until the coming of the sun of light in our hearts. So if someone who's lost, you know, they, they are really wandering, uh, they're confused, uh, they're probably frustrated, and they're at their wit's end, and they're in a place where we'd say they're, they're, they have brain fog. They're just not thinking correctly. They don't see correctly. So uh, to understand how darkness is described in scripture, it's described several ways. Once is there's a prince of darkness. And so that's the devil and his, and his demon spirits that are endeavoring to blind. That's, that's quite a descriptive word, isn't it? Blind the minds of those who haven't yet heard the gospel, lest they turn to the glorious light. And, and so there is the person of darkness. And then there's a place of 
darkness. Uh, darkness in one's soul where maybe they've been struck or hurt and, and wounded or abused. And because of that, they, they are not processing in that part of their soul very well. Emotionally, they've been hurt or damaged. Aren't you glad that God loves us spirit and soul and body, right? And he cares for us. So, um, as we read out of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, I want to remind all of us, myself included, that um, it's not just a few vessels that are chosen. And Jesus said, I have chosen you. That's, that's a personal pronoun. And it would probably be beneficial for us wherever there's a personal pronoun in the Bible to put our name. Because the Bible is God talking to you. So wherever there's personal pronouns, it's not an injustice to inject your name in that portion of Scripture. Because God wants to personalize his word to you. There are letters that he's written unto us that are much more than instruction, their life. His words are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So these are the words of life that I want to read to you out of Second Corinthians chapter 4. Let's begin in uh, verse 7. And it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I, I want to stop and I want to say, For the next 23 verses, so that's chapter 4 and verse 7, all the way through chapter 5 and verse 11, in those 23 verses, the word we, us, and our is used 28 times. So Paul isn't saying this is just for me. He's saying this is for us, this is our We are in this together. And many times we feel God has super saints and then he has like saints in training that one day may be super saints and then he has super ain'ts. And sometimes we put ourselves in, I ain't none of them things. I ain't going to do none of that. I ain't none of that and a Snickers bar. And we feel like others have maybe in, enrolled and are growing in the knowledge of God and others have actually graduated and they're the super representatives of the kingdom of God. But when you understand the language of we and us and our, it demolishes all of those categories. We are the body of Christ, and members individually. So I want to point out, if if you would allow me to over the next few minutes, some of these we statements. And I'm going to tie it directly into you and I being chosen vessels by the Master and for the Master's use. A reminder that a vessel... A vessel is a container, and it can be filled, or it can be emptied, or it can be somewhat filled. But a vessel, a vessel is useful when it's in the proper hands, and when it's filled with the right materials. So here we go. Verse 7. 
we have this treasure, we have this treasure, present possession, and where is it? It's in an earthen vessel. Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed. We have this treasure. Let's talk about this treasure before we talk about being hard-pressed. We have this treasure. What is he referring to? He's referring to the treasure of the light and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure, this valuable message. It's in this earthen vessel. It's proclaimed through this earthen vessel that the glory and the excellence may be to God. What is the treasure that's within us? It's not gold, silver, and precious stones. It's the knowledge of the light of Jesus Christ, and it is the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's in this earthen vessel. We value the message. We value the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We place such value upon the message and upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we guard and we protect this vessel so it maintains a sense of honor unto God. We present this vessel as a living sacrifice before God, which is our reasonable service. This treasure that we have is something that is eternal, it's life-giving, it's precious. But we are hard-pressed, that's this outward pressure that's coming from the prince of darkness, from this world and the spirits of this world. And it says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down and not destroyed. It's interesting that the phrase hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down are all synonymous with other ways that Paul talked to the church about spiritual warfare. He said, you're in a wrestling match, is another way of saying the same thing. You're in a race and you're running. You're also a soldier in the army. You're also a boxer in the ring. Wow. So when he says that you're hard-pressed, he's describing wrestling, hard-pressed. You're wrestling, but you're not crushed. You're not pinned. You're not down for the count. But there is a struggle. There is opposition. Because you hold the light of the gospel and the person of the Holy Spirit within you. There's opposition to you. God wants this light to shine through us. He wants the ministry of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. But we are being wrestled with. We're in a tug-of-war match. He says, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. This is, once again, a strategic word. Perplexed means that you and I are strategically trying to understand at times what's going on to figure things out. And yet we're not giving up. We're not at the point where we're saying, uncle. We're not throwing in the towel. We're not saying, okay, I'm out. I'm not in anymore. No, we may not completely understand everything, but we're not getting out of the wrestling match. We're not going to quit boxing. We're not going to quit running. And we're not going to go AWOL as soldiers. 
We're going to stay at our post. We're going to stay in the rink. We're going to go to the corner. We're going to get some new instruction. If we're running, we may have someone throw water on us, hold up a sign, keep going, you're not dead yet. And someone give you some goop and you put it in your mouth and you spit it out and you hope like three minerals made its way into your digestive tract to sustain you for the next three miles. You're wrestling and you're not pinned and your opponent hasn't won yet. And that's a reality. That's spiritual warfare. That's resistance. Why? Because you have a treasure in an earthen vessel. And God has chosen us to bear his name and to carry the gospel on these beautiful feet he's given unto us. Verse 13 says, But we have a spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So we have a spirit of faith and we believe And we continue to speak. So in the midst of this battle, this war, this conflict, this this boxing match that you and I are in spiritually, we continually stay in faith. We have a spirit of faith and we continually display that by the words that we speak. We continue to speak words of life. We continue to speak the truth of who we are and what we have in Christ. And what we can do because of Christ. And we still continue to draw upon the strength that comes from Christ. Because we're still called to represent him regardless of the conflict. Verse 16. We do not lose heart. All of us may want to reprieve. Uh, You may want some R&R if you've ever been in the military and you've been in the front lines. The military says, go get some rest and relax and refuel. And the Lord does the same to us. Come unto me, everyone who's heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's rest in Christ. For a boxer, there's time in the corner and he gets his shoulders rubbed and And they talk to him and they encourage him and they say, watch out for the the right jab, the right jab, because what's coming next is the widow maker. So just watch out, watch out. They're trying to set you up and constantly getting counsel and encouragement and coaching in the corner. Uh, A runner, a runner has those that are cheering him on. I I remember when I ran track, uh, I had uh, several coaches and, and when we were in the meet, they would be on the corners of the track and they would be yelling out our time and our pace and they would be saying, go catch the person in front of you. And then we'd have a straightaway to try to, you know, process that information and we'd get to another corner and another coach would be saying, you're at this pace and you can catch that person and don't give up. And so that is a beautiful symbolism of the Lord working in our lives, both by His Spirit and by other believers, that we not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not faint. For wrestlers, it's one of the most um, exposed sports. You know, you're on a mat and you're in uh, long underwear out there in front of God and everyone. 
and and suing an opponent. But there's parameters to that to that ring, and you can get outside of the ring if you need a reprieve. If if someone is gaining an advantage, a good wrestler will work the corners and try to get into a neutral position so that they can restart and reboot the match. And so it is in our spiritual walk. We do not lose heart. We stay on the track. We stay in the ring. We stay at our post. We keep doing the things that the Lord has graced us to do. Because the excellence is of him. The power is of him. It was his prerogative. It's his authority. So we're his representatives here in the earth. Verse 18 says, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So that's one of the ways in which we gain courage is we don't look at the temporal, we look at the eternal. Because if you and I get our eyes on the temporal or on the circumstances, then we can lose heart. We don't lose heart because we're not looking. We, we corporately, are not looking at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. What is this communicating to us? We have a bigger picture in mind. We have eternity before us, and that's the way that we process our life. We don't think of the comfort of the moment. We think of living in light of doing the will of God and pleasing Him. So eternity is something that drives us, the bigger picture. So we do not look at the things which are seen. We look unto the Lord, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Chapter 5 and verse 1. For we know, what do we know? That if our earthen or this, this, this vessel, this earthen vessel, this tent is destroyed, what is it? We have... We know, and therefore we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is that eternal perspective again. Chapter 5 and verse 2. For this we groan. We groan. I remember shortly after... Coming to faith in Christ, I was watching uh, Pat Robertson, 700 Club, years ago. This would have been in the 1970s. Sorry for all of you young folks, 1970, you're like, dude, you're old. Yes, I am. Thank you very little. So in the 1970s, I'd be watching Pat Robertson, the 700 Club, and he used to teach and have a whiteboard behind him, and it was just fantastic teaching. I just loved it. Pat Robertson was... uh, Always interested in the prophetic portions of Scripture, the promises of Scripture, and the bigger picture that Scripture described. But one of the things that was going on with the 700 Club in that season is they were beginning to show the effects of poverty in underdeveloped nations around the world. And so they, as many of you who know the 700 Club, know this, that I I don't know of a a TV ministry that does better testimonials or better documentaries as far as what's going on around the world and in capturing the news of of what's happening in in the world than the 700 Club. So they were showing 
these malnutrition kids with bloated stomachs and you, you could see every bone in their skeletal structure. And, and I, I remember being 14, 15, 16 years old and seeing these commercials and groaning. And just empathizing with these kids. And, and this is what the apostle says is that there's times where there's like, wow. What do we do? What do we, what, wow. That is such a big, a whole continent like that. All the children in the continent, millions of children around the world. I'm worried about my next ding dong. And it just, so he's saying, you haven't lost your humanity. It's not like you're, you know, past feelings, past empathizing, past understanding. I mean, it's like you're entered into life in a completely different perspective. And it's not, you're touched with the feelings of other people's infirmities. That's how scripture describes Jesus towards us. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And when Christ and that light and the knowledge of, of the truth is within us, we're touched with the feelings of other people's infirmities, and it's a sign that we're the saviors because we're not selfish anymore. We don't think like, well, that's their, that's their problem. That's not my problem. That's their, that's their, that, they deserve that. And as if we're superior or have arrived. So this is what he's describing. We groan. We groan. We feel and we hurt with those that are hurt, hurting. And he goes on and he says in verse 6, We are always confident knowing that we were at home in the body, we were absent from the Lord. Verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. So in the midst of this conflict and of this groaning and, and of these weaknesses and some of the needs that we encounter in life, we're still confident for we walk by faith and not by sight. So I want you to begin, because I'm just about done presenting the message, to imagine that you're part of this great company, because you are. And maybe you, you've, you've devalued your abilities, but they're not your abilities. Remember, it's his prerogative, right? His, it's his appointment, it's his power. So uh, don't, don't get concerned about what you have to offer. What you and I have to offer is our availability. We're available, Lord. We're willing. And we, we offer ourselves in that way, a living sacrifice unto you. But I want you to begin to, to form or to, to believe that you're a part of something that's bigger than just you. That it's we and us and our. That it's not an individual work where one person has all the ideas, all the skills, all the graces, all the abilities. No, it's all of us knit together as a body that allow the work of God to be done, that allow the message of the light and the knowledge of God to work in the world and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to work through all of us for the good of those who are lost. Everybody say we, we. Us. us, our, our. We. we, us, us. Our. our, 
It's a larger picture. It's a better perspective. It's heaven's perspective. God looks down on us all. He loves all of us. Verse 9, chapter 5. For we make it our aim, our goal, our ambition, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. That, that, that word can sometimes throw us off. A better word would have been translated knowing the justice of the Lord. The Lord is a just God. Knowing that the Lord is a just God, we persuade men. But we are all known of God, and I also trust are well known in your consciousness or in your soul. Let me summarize what I've just read. And let me encourage you to go back today and take a few minutes and read these 23 verses. And I give you permission to write in your Bible, to circle the word we and our and us, and ask God to speak to you by his spirit. So we have this treasure. We are hard-pressed, but we have a spirit of faith. We do not lose heart. Because we do not look at the things that are seen. We know and are confident because we walk by faith. Therefore, it is our aim to persuade men. We have this treasure. It's in an earthen vessel. We face resistance. At times, we're in conflict. Sometimes with the flesh sometimes with the forces of darkness, sometimes with the spirit of this age or this world. But we don't faint, we don't give up, we don't throw the towel, we do not lose heart. Why? Because we're not looking at the temporal, we're looking at the eternal. We know, we have confidence in the Lord, therefore we trust him and continually walk by faith. Because of this, we make it our aim, our ambition, our goal to persuade men. You are a chosen vessel. Last week I read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, who should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness, a lost condition of perishing into his marvelous light that we should show forth his praises. The praises of God be expressed through us in word and in action. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Because someone brought that light to my world, someone brought that light to your world, and we're called to do the same for others. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that, Lord, You have chosen us, and so we give you permission. You have appointed us, and we cooperate with your appointment. We won't fight and fuss and kick. And and if we do, forgive us and get us in that position where we realize when, when we submit, we actually win. It's your power and your authority. So, Lord, we will take steps of faith and trust and obey you. 
Thank you for the good work that you've begun in each and every one, that you would be faithful to complete it. I thank you, Father, that you put us in the body where it pleased you and that we all have a purpose and a plan. And we love you and we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand this morning. I've been sitting for a few minutes. So standing, repositioning yourself is good. Posture, good posture, shoulders back, good deep breath. There's one we that I didn't refer to. It's found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. There's really several that I didn't refer to because I didn't want to extend my speaking beyond your capacity to hear. Everyone say thank you. you. (laughs) You're welcome. We all have an internal capacity to hear. I don't want to overspeak. But in verse 10, in chapter 5, it reads this way. We must all. If you look at the screen, it says this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or whether bad. We must all appear. There's an expiration date to this life. There's a time where all the sand runs through the hourglass and we breathe our last. Until that day, we live out the message. But when that day comes, all our works are done. All our days under the sun are done. All the things that we could have, should have, would have done have been recorded. And it's time for us to transition over and be with our Lord. This is why we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because I have this in common with everybody else. There was a time to be born and there's a time to die. But unless you are born again, you're not ready to die. I don't feel because you're still lost in a place of darkness because of sin. That's why we persuade men. And that's why we don't lose heart. And that's why we continually trust in the Lord and have confidence in him. Because while one individual may not hear what you have to say, the next one might. So don't lose heart. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.